Hi, everyone. It's been several weeks since I published an episode, so hopefully by now you've been able to catch up on the previous 10 episodes. And if you had already, then thank you for your patience. If you're not sure how to find the episodes that are already published, you can visit www.mindyourbodydmt.com for all the episodes, or you can visit the Facebook page called Mind Your Body, A Dance Movement Therapy Perspective. And at the top of the page, you'll see several links for all the different platforms on which you can listen and find the episodes. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out. My contact information is also on the Facebook page. So here we are, episode 11, and today we're going to hear from Allison Winters, who's a board-certified dance movement therapist and licensed creative arts therapist, who specializes in treating veterans and military members. And currently, Allison coordinates a wellness program at an integrative treatment program for military service members with traumatic brain injury and psychological health conditions. It's so exciting to hear how Allison uses dance movement therapy and yoga approaches to help these individuals work through their emotional struggles that they feel that are manifested physically through pain and anxiety and a general feeling out of control. And it makes so much sense that using movement and the mind-body connection is an extremely effective way to to help the this population because, now I don't know this, but I can't even imagine the experiences that they've had that are just too hard to put into words and too hard to express into words that they can actually use this different form of expression to to just start making sense of what they're going through and start finding meaning again in life. So anyway, I'm going to let Allison tell us all about it. Here we go. This is Mind Your Body, a dance movement therapy perspective on the integration of our emotional, cognitive, physical, and spiritual aspects of our being into one more aware and whole existence. Well, again, I I just wanted to thank you for taking the time to allow me to interview you and I saw your ADTA talk and that really drew me in and the topic of veterans and all the surrounding topics, I think, is kind of a big one right now in our current political Mm -hmm. climate. So I wanted to get your perspective from a dance therapy lens. And uh, first, I wanted to get to know a little bit more about who you are and how you came to specialize in treating veterans. So I guess a a little background. Um, So I grew up dancing and kind of danced through elementary school, middle school, and the high school, went to college and um, really wanted to keep dancing, but became interested in psychology as well. Um, And then kind of stumbled across the field of dance movement therapy, had never heard of it before, and uh, eventually ended up going to school for dance therapy at Pratt. You know, while I was in school, I thought maybe I wanted to work with kids. And, you know, I I had a couple of different internships working with various different populations. 
I was at a women's homeless shelter for my first year internship. And then, um, and then I was in inpatient psych at a hospital and worked with kids, teenagers, adults. Uh, I was on a dementia unit too. So I really kind of worked with a, a spectrum of um, populations. But veterans had never really entered my mind. Um, it was really... I was connected with a listserv for job openings and I kept seeing stuff pop up for the VA for dance movement therapists. And I, it just kind of intrigued me and drew me in. And, uh, yeah, there was a, a position that opened up at a, um, VA not too far from me and I applied for it and it kind of just went from there and yeah, I ended up really loving it and I'm still just very passionate about it. So it was, you know, I, I didn't have any military in my um, immediate family. My grandfathers were in the military. My one gra grandfather died before I was born, but, um, but my other grandfather, he was in the Navy and during World War II and it was clearly something that was an important part of his life. So a couple of my uncles were in the army as well. Um, so I, I, you know, I definitely had some connection there, but it was, you know, I just, I, I feel like I eased right into it. I, I um, felt very comfortable working with that population. I felt like I could connect with them and yeah, it's just been going <laughs> ever since that was 2009. So when I started working at that VA, mm -hmm. so eight years. Wow. Yeah. So you hadn't had much experience before. Was there anything surprising to you about this population? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that sometimes people have ideas about, especially if they have not been in the military, what it's like to be a military member or, you know, you, you can't ever really know. But you know, something that I learned early on in my dance therapy training was you can't ever really know anybody's experience. What we do know is emotion and we share those emotions. We may not exactly understand um, somebody else's full experience, but we can connect on the emotional level. So, so that's kind of how I went into working with these men and women, um, knowing that I didn't know what it was like to, you know, be in the military and to be in the service. But I was very open and honest about that. And I used that as a way to like, just let them tell me their experience, tell, tell me your stories, you know, and help me understand. And I think that that has worked really well me in working with this population because, you know, it just allows them to feel like they're being heard. And isn't that what we all want? <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. As far as anything being surprising, I would say the biggest thing. So, you know, a big question that I get is like, okay, so you're a dance movement therapist and you work with military. Like, how does that work? Or, you know, don't you get a lot of resistance? And part of that is people's misunderstanding of dance movement therapy. You know, they think that I'm going in and teaching tango lessons or mm -hmm. something, which is not the case. Just sort of 
allowing the space for creativity, for movement, and providing that safe space, you know, that it's okay to, to move and be creative in a way that you want to be and that you need to be, that the resistance, even if there is some resistance, it comes down pretty quickly. I feel like that there, there's a real need to, to be creative and to be in their bodies because it's very stifled in the military. You know, there, there's a mission and, you know, attending to your own self-care needs is often kind of pushed to the wayside. The mission is the important thing and, and taking care of your comrades. Right. So I find that it's usually pretty welcome when I, you know, invite people into the space and maybe play some music or ask people to just come in and breathe. You know, it's, it's usually pretty welcome. So I guess that that was probably the biggest surprise for me. That they were less resistant. Yeah. um, But I think a big part of that is how I approach it. You know, I don't I I let them come to the work, you know, not, okay. this is this is what we're going to do today. And, you know, they already have quite a bit of structure (laughs) and rigidity in their lives. So, you know, whatever happens is okay. If we end up moving a lot together, great. If we end up just kind of sitting and talking and being in the same space and, you know, kind of mirroring one another in that way, then that's fine too. And and so a lot of it is really how, how I approach it. But then, you know, allowing for that that opening and that, you know, creating that safe space, I think really people will meet me there. You know, there, there's that need to move and to feel some freedom from the rigidity. Yeah. Could you talk more about your approach using dance movement therapy? Like like, what it looks like? Yeah. What does it look like? So I've worked with a, a range of veterans and active duty service members. So it, it kind of depends on which population I'm working with. I mean, just like in the civilian population. So I've worked in a couple of VA nursing homes. Um, and most of those veterans are, you know, they, they live in the nursing home Many of them have dementia or other cognitive issues going on. A lot of physical limitations. Um, majority are in wheelchairs. So, so there's some limitations on the kind of movement, and I kind of have to adapt based on you know what they're able to do. But that generation, World War II, Korean War uh, veterans, I find that. Dance was an important part of their social lives. Um, I had so many veterans say, you know, when I'll, I'll turn on some music kind of from their era, some of the big band stuff, and I see toes tapping and heads start moving around a little bit. Um, and many of them started to recall, you know, when they used to dance with their wives and brought up all sorts of memories. So. And I, I would just kind of pick up on those movements and and help develop the movements for them. And, and we would just kind of be in that space moving as much as, you know, people would need to take rests and, you know, that's fine. And But as the memories kind of start flowing, we'd talk about those. And then on the other end of the spectrum, when I'm working with the kind of younger active duty military, 
I often don't even use the word dance because that makes them nervous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, but, but one way that I've learned to connect with them is that, you know, they're all used to doing their PT or physical training in a circle with one another and moving in sync. So, okay, we won't call it dance, but let's move and stretch together. I actually very recently had a, um, uh, a service member who really got a lot out of the program. So where I'm working now, he's like, well, we'll, we'll just call it tactical stretching. I'm like, okay, Hey man, whatever (laughs) works for you. You know, but I was like, I I love that. I'm going to, I'm going to keep using that one. (laughs) So, you know, I, I, have a, a new group of patients that, um, just came through and they're, um, there was a lot of nervousness. You know, they hear that I'm a dance movement therapist and they're like, Whoa, what does that mean? You know, am I going to be made to dance? And they, they start sort of building up these ideas in their heads and getting nervous about it. And so I'll use humor too. You know, I'll say like, so this one comes up a lot. They, they think it, interpretive dance or something. So okay, well, we have our interpretive dance class together tomorrow. You know, I'll, I'll see you then. And they're just kind of like, what? And that, you know, so it becomes the, right. a, a bit of a joke, but it, it lets some of the, the nervousness kind of go to the wayside a bit. So I have to be creative myself and how I approach it sometimes. <laughs> right. you down to the wording. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, each group that I work with uh, is different, too. I mean, um, I've had service members that dance was still a very important part of their culture, part of their home culture. You know, I I, I had um, it was a ballroom dance of, of some sort or, you know, social dance that um, actually the service member taught me. So sometimes that comes up too, just allowing for different ways of moving and, and, you know, inviting in those, maybe those cultural connections of dance. Mm-hmm. So do you have, other than the wording and how you introduce the groups, you have a usual starting point with them that seems more comfortable for them? Yeah, well, with the program that I'm at now, I, I have a number of groups with, with each new cohort that comes in. So, I mixed in some meditation and and yoga. I'm a yoga instructor as well. And sometimes that can be a really helpful bridge. Um, so the first couple groups I have with them, it's, you know, let's, let's talk about breathing. Let's talk about meditation. What is that? Let's pay attention to what you're feeling in your body as you start kind of slowing down your breathing and, you know, tuning into sensations and, we talk about the nervous system and how it responds to stress. And, and so that is often a big buy-in for them because it's like, Oh, okay, this is real. There's like science behind this, you know? <laughs> and then it isn't until the end of the first week that I do a little authentic movement with them and we do a body scan and um, we actually stand in a circle and we kind of move and shake around and it's, it feels silly to most of them. They start laughing and I encourage that, you know, like, that is very helpful in kind of letting go of some of the tension too. So I kind of build up to it, but start with some things that they can maybe tolerate a, a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. When you say authentic movement, do you mean the, like actually what is referred to as authentic movement or you mean like spontaneous 
expression. So the way that I structure it, so it's in a group setting and I encourage them to tune into their inner impulse to move. And I sort of, you know, talk them through it kind of like a guided meditation. And, you know, I ask them to either close their eyes or just take a relaxed gaze you know, just start paying attention to sensations in the body and pay attention to what your body wants, you know, and for a lot of them, they've never done this or they haven't done it in a very long time. So I spend a lot of time creating that, that safe space for them. And and before we even get to that, we actually moved in the circle together. We stretched, we did, we did our tactical stretching. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I say, and Hey, if an impulse doesn't come, then that's fine. But if it feels like your body needs to move, needs to stretch, needs to be still do what you need to do for yourself, you know, kind of looking at it as self-care and whatever happens is fine. There's no, you know, wrong way. And that can be a hard thing to swallow, too, because in the military, there's a right way and there's a wrong way. But I'll, I'll tell you, I mean, every week that I do that group, there are some incredible insights. You know, we get to process towards the end of the group. I had someone recently who was saying, I I felt this like this pull, this force to, to move forward. And I'm like, yeah, you know, that that's it. You know, you're able to, to tune into that and. You know, others will say, well, I just became very aware of, you know, where I'm holding pain or tension in my body, or it allowed me to kind of compartmentalize it a little bit. So I'm not feeling all the pain all the time. And I was able to kind of focus in on certain areas. So there's all sorts of stuff that comes up. The group, they're all kind of on their own in the room moving as I'm, I'm kind of coaching them through it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Not the traditional authentic movement in that way. Mm -hmm. And then after, so it sounds like you're talking kind of like week by week with the process. So how many weeks are you working with each cohort? Um, So this particular program that I'm at now, they're there for four weeks. They actually live on the campus. And so the stuff that I do is just part of the overall program. You know, they, they're also seeing providers from all sorts of other disciplines under the same roof. As far as the, the part of the program, the, all the mind body stuff that, that I run, there's 12 groups all together. So they get three groups a week. Um, and then they get a couple of individual sessions and all that is templated into the program. Um, but sometimes they get extra, sometimes they're family visits and we'll do family sessions, family mind body sessions. And depending on, you know, if they get into certain practices, um, we may do some some extra individual sessions too, mm-hmm. so we can customize it as needed. Mm-hmm. So, do they ever? You describe them moving together, but separately, or alongside each other, but not really with each <laughs> other. Do they get to the point where they're moving together? Yeah, um, there's a group that we do in week two. Where So we start with actually the yoga sun salutation. So some structure, right, to get them into moving together. Um, I'm really integrating the breath, you know, getting them thinking about postural alignment, engaging their core. But really, you know, I want them to get into the flow, you know, to learn that sequence, to get into the flow of it and feel how each posture can you know, very naturally flow into the next one. 
So then after we practice that for a little while, I have each of them come up with their own movement or stretch or pose, whatever they like to call it. And then we work together as a group to sequence the movements together in a way that makes sense. Um, so we're really choreographing. <laughs> right, like a group dance. Yeah. Um, so so once we sequence it together, we'll go through it several times. Um, and so then everybody's kind of flowing through the movement together. And again, I'm not calling it dance or choreography. Sometimes I'll bring that language in if it, if it feels appropriate. But, you know, I, I just want them to really feel how movement can flow in a logical way and so that they can then use that information as um as a self-care skill you know they they're learning all sorts of stretches and physical therapy and then they're you know learning yoga and all this stuff and like how do you make sense of all that if you understand how to sequence movement together in a logical way you can also do it in a meaningful way like take the movements that are helpful and and working for you and you know basically choreograph so you can choreograph your own dance you know that's something that i that i really think is important that you know you can teach people all sorts of things, but if they're, if it's not meaningful, if it's not a meaningful practice for them, they're not going to keep doing it anyway. So, you know, my whole thinking is sort of giving them the tools, um, and the structure, and then to be able to kind of bring in their own meaning into it so that they can continue to keep doing it after they're done with the four weeks and go back home or deploy again or, you know, whatever it might be. So they can really take ownership of it. Yeah. That's what it sounded like to me when you're describing like laying the groundwork of this is your body. These are sensations that can come up. What do you feel? And now what do you do with them or how do you follow those impulses or, or maybe not? Hey, you know, if you just start paying attention to stuff, it could just end up being entirely overwhelming. So what do you do with all this information once you start noticing it? So as we move into week two, week three of the program, you know, my goal is to kind of start making sense of that. Now you have this awareness and you're noticing things. What do you do with it? So sort of giving them those different tools to be able to take a little bit of control over their experience. Really. A lot of them feel pretty hijacked by their nervous systems (laughs) when they arrive and they've done all sorts of things to help themselves to not feel. But if you can tune into those feelings and understand them and then learn these skills to be able to like learning how to engage in diaphragmatic breath and how that has a huge effect on your nervous system's response, right? That is often the biggest takeaway for these guys is that they have some control over the, how they can feel in their bodies. Mm. I hear it every week. So (laughs) it's it's powerful stuff. And they're shocked. They're like, who knew my breath was so powerful. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So simple, but so, so powerful. The breath. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was actually going to, yeah, I was, I wanted to ask you, I think you're talking a little bit about it now, but 
you referred to some metaphor before of moving forward. And I, I was curious if there were common themes that came up amongst these different cohorts or the different veterans. What are what are common themes of thoughts or feelings or images that come up in your work? Yeah, uh, it's actually something I'm kind of deep into right now. So, so I'm currently um, in a doctoral program in mind-body medicine, and I, what I'm doing for my dissertation is looking at this program uh, and the themes that are coming up. So I'm kind of in the midst of exploring that right now, but, you know, off the top of my head, just... Some of the stuff that I've seen that I, that I tend to see often. So in the very first group we have together in their first day, one of the tools I have the privilege of utilizing is a really lovely uh, indoor labyrinth. And I have them walk the labyrinth to experience a moving meditation and to see that meditation doesn't have to be just you know, sitting silently, trying not to think about anything, you know, that's often what they come in thinking meditation is. And, you know, as you can imagine, it's day one, they don't really know each other. It's very overwhelming. There's a lot of information being thrown at them. And then, you know, they're walking around (laughs) in circles and like, what the heck is going on? So on the last day, their last group, I have them return to the labyrinth. And sometimes some of them, you know, go to the labyrinth again in the four weeks that they're there. But I have them think back to that day, that first day, and what they were thinking, what they were feeling when they when they first walked the labyrinth, and then just kind of reflect and compare a bit. And so what I see when I see them walk the labyrinth as a group the first day and the last day is that there's a general, for most of them, a general kind of softening in their bodies at that point. There's a um, just much greater sense of mindfulness. Like their 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 pace has slowed down immensely. Like they're they're really present for the most part. It's you know that first day they're they're moving a lot quicker. They're they're trying to kind of navigate and not touch each other. And, you know, there's a a lot more nervous energy. Um, But I think that's a a general kind of shift that I, that I see as they go through the program is that there's this softening, there's this kind of coming into themselves and being okay with that. I also see that they're often surprised by what they end up getting into. We also have an art therapy program and we usually have a music therapy program we're actually between music therapists right now but um you know a lot of times they arrive and they're like you want me to do arts and crafts you know and and they get so into it and that you know by the end of it they're just like I can't believe how meaningful this experience was for me so that's something I see a lot just the the surprise for them and, and how meaningful and how engaged they've, they've gotten in a, a lot of the various therapies and things that are available to them. And then I'll just, you know, I kind of said it before, but the, um, the power of the breath. <laughs> I mean, that's something that comes up a lot there. They, they've done focused breathing 
in their military training for shooting, right? Some of the sailors have in their training have to do breath holds underwater, or even I've had a couple examples of people talking about how they focus their breath for skydiving too, when they're jumping out of planes. So it's interesting that they've accessed it, but it's been for a very different purpose. And it, and it usually has not been for their own health and wellness. It's usually to hit a target or, you know, to complete some task that's important to the mission. So that I, you know, I see the little light bulbs go on and like, Oh yes, this feels familiar. I know how to do this, but now I'm just going to use it in a different way. So that, that is usually very empowering for them too. Cause they're like, Oh yeah, I, I don't have to completely learn something new. I already, it, it's just kind of reframing it, how they're using it. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that comes up about what they wish other people could understand about them? Because there does seem to be a lot of misconception as you also referenced earlier. Yeah, you know, I guess, you know, this is something I guess that surprised me is that um, so it's very popular for civilians when they see a service member in uniform say, thank you for your service. And it actually annoys the heck out of a lot of them, Hmm. (laughs) which surprised me. But I kind of get it. You know, if you've got random strangers coming up to you and saying that all the time, you know, I think part of it is that you know, it goes back to nobody really understands what it means to have served and to have fought in a war unless you've been there. So I think sometimes it can feel, even though when people say that, when they you know express that sentiment, I, I think it, it's usually pretty genuine and, and you know, it, it's meant as a, you know, a term of respect but, but I think it's hard for some service members to swallow because it makes them think about what they actually have experienced and um, that the person perhaps saying, you know, thank you for your service really has no idea what mm-hmm. they've been through. That's my kind of take on it. There's a lot of, well, two things, a lot of privacy around the war stories You know, I remember I had one service member saying that, like, this is mine. This is my story. And, you know, just like it's it's his own and he can keep it. And he didn't want to share it with other people. You know, it's something that just he and, you know, who he he was with kind of knew and understood. And so so some some privacy around that. And. And then the other part of it is that sometimes what service members have um, and veterans have experienced um, is really difficult to put into words and, and, and painful and can be painful. You know, one of the reasons that the creative arts therapies can be such a, a great option because it gives them that nonverbal outlet. It can allow them to not only express but process without having to necessarily find the words to describe what it is that they experienced. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What do you usually suggest that the veterans and the service members do to continue using the the movement? Um, You mentioned that it needed to have meaning, right? But Mm -hmm. um, do you suggest any certain techniques or practices to continue using 
You know, I, I think a lot of it is just being able to spend a little time with each service member individually, right? So, I mean, there are certain techniques, practices that I'll teach in the group setting just so they get some basics. You know, I, I make sure to meet with each of them at least twice in the time that they're in the program to really get a sense of who they are, what their interests are, um, and how can we adapt these practices that you're learning in a way that is going to be meaningful to you. So, for example, there's one service member I was working with who, you know, just, and this is true of a lot of them, had a very busy schedule with work, with family, um, and it's time is always their concern. Like, when am I going to have the time to do this? So, like, okay, well, you can probably find five minutes here, five minutes there. How can we, let, you know, let's look at how we can create a, a little practice that you know you're going to be able to do every day. So this one guy that I was working with, he um, turned out that he rode his bike to work like three times a week. And, but, and he was really enjoying um, some mantra repetition work that we we're doing. I'm like, okay, let's come up with a meaningful mantra. And he did, and, but he did it for himself. I didn't ask him what it was. And so the plan was that he was going to ride his bike a little more mindfully and he was going to bring that mantra to mind and kind of repeat it in rhythm with the pedaling of his bike. So that was very unique, right? Mm -hmm. and, and it brought meaning to it and it, it was something that he was already doing so he didn't have to carve out extra time in his busy schedule and, and just brought some more mindfulness, some, some more meaning to what could be just kind of a mindless, you know, act of getting from point A to point B. And I remember he was very excited about that. So it just brought a, a deeper layer of meaning to what he was already doing and incorporating movement. <laughs> right. A lot of them have sleep issues too. So often that's a place I start with them. Like let, let's put together a little routine for you to help you get to sleep at night, you know, really tuning into your breath, maybe integrating a, a mantra or using some imagery of some sort. I, I had one service member who had a lot of difficulty getting up in the morning. So we came up with a plan for using breath, moving through specific postures to kind of begin to transition him from being in the horizontal plane working towards the vertical and moving into the sagittal. And we talked about even using like colored tape to create um, visual focal points from the ceiling all the way like down toward the floor so that he could focus on, on that point, do a little bit of breathing, transition himself to the next positions. So we choreographed a routine for him, you know, that's amazing. Um, but it, <laughs> Yeah. And, and, and so it's, it's served a very functional purpose for him. So yeah, I, there's different stuff that comes up all the time, but I really try to tune into, you know, who are you? What are your needs? What do you enjoy doing? And you know, how, how can we make that work better for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause it's true. If they're not really feeling the idea, they're not going to continue with it. Exactly. So I, I love that meeting them where they're at, what they might be already be doing or where they really want to improve. Mm -hmm. Nice place. Mm -hmm. And then I don't know if you see them again at some point, if they come back to you, if you ever hear about, you know, their progress, but I, 
I don't as often as I would like. Um, sometimes some service members have come back through just to kind of say hi, and that's always nice. But actually, just recently, I got a, a letter from the past patient and um, just kind of thanking me for all this stuff that he learned from me and said that he was still meditating, still practicing his breathing. And the other thing that was in the envelope was a, a coin. Um, so this is something that has been a, a ritual of sorts that has been new for me, that in the, in the military, this sort of presenting of a, a coin to um, another person is like a way of expressing gratitude for something. And so these coins that I've been seeing, like they sort of, they're, they're personalized. So this coin that he gave me had the group or the command that, that he's a part of there, you know, there was a, a, a symbol on it and his name was actually on it too. And, it, and it's this big, heavy coin. I mean, it's very, it's not like a, you know, a quarter. <laughs> it's this really like a metal almost. And so I, I've, um, I've received a couple of those and, uh, the, that's been very meaningful for me, but, um, but the, yeah, this one that I, I received, um, recently was just, that, that was a pretty awesome indication to me that what he learned was, was still working for him and he, he, you know, he was still finding ways to use it. It is a big concern for them, as, especially as they start to get toward the end of the last week. Like, am I going to be able to keep doing this stuff at home? You know, it's, they're in a very controlled environment. It's very relaxing. There's a lot of support. Um, there's a lot of time. They don't have, you know, bosses or family members or, you know, other people kind of pulling at them. They, they're just focusing on themselves for a whole month. I wish I could do that. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> it's pretty great. Um, but they get nervous about being able to keep practicing all that stuff. And I do bring some attention to that, particularly in the last couple of weeks. You know, I, I do some specific guided meditations with them, having them really visualize what might it look like? What do you hope it'll look like? when you bring these practices home, you know, imagining where you are, what you're wearing, who you're with, you know, so they can really have that picture painted in their, in their mind, even if it doesn't end up looking exactly like that, but to really be thinking about it. Um, I, I created a little like wellness planning worksheet for them too, where they can really, you know, the stuff that comes up for them and that visualization, like put it on paper, map it out. What does the routine look like? Where is it going to fit in your schedule? So I try to prepare them as much as possible to keep using this stuff. But I love it when I do hear back from them because I'm always wondering. And, you know, I hope actually that someday that's something that could be tracked in some way. If we could check in with patients, you know, six months, the year out and what, what practices are you still utilizing? What's most useful? It's not what I'm focusing on in my research right now, but maybe the next research project. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, that sounds like such important work and very powerful. Thank you for sharing that with me and whoever else listened. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I'm I'm happy to share. I, I'm I'm happy to see that there are 
a few more dance therapists working with veterans now too. So I, I feel like our, our little army is growing because <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, I think it's, it's just, um, such a, well, just a powerful therapy in general, but I think very useful with this particular population. And, um, I feel very lucky to have kind of fallen into this work and, and that I just in, enjoy it so much. So thank you for the opportunity to talk about it a little. Sure. <laughs> I'm sure they can feel that from you too, that, you know, you genuinely enjoy it and want to be there. So I'm sure that in itself is really important and meaningful for them. Yeah, I think so. Well, thanks again for the opportunity. Thank you. That was great. Thank you, Allison. And thanks, everyone, again, for listening. Stay tuned for another episode coming soon. Bye.